You're listening to Payments Innovation, a podcast dedicated to helping business leaders navigate today's global digital economy. Looking to learn about the latest innovations within fintech and payments? You've come to the right place. Let's get into the show. Welcome to another episode of the Payments Innovation Podcast. This is your host, Brady Burkett, and excited to be joined today by Ken So, CEO and founder of Tilful. A lot of folks have been describing Tilful as the credit karma for small business, but I'll let Ken explain a little bit more about what Tilful is providing in the market. Ken, welcome to the show. Thank you, Brady. Thanks for having me. So we're, we're going to get into Tilful and you know all about small business lending, talk about some of the trends that you're seeing in the market today and, and some of the, the stories behind the company. But first, for our audience, Ken, can you give an introduction to yourself, your personal background prior to Tilful? Yep, absolutely. Well, thanks, Brady. So yeah, so I've been in uh, Silicon Valley. Most of my career started off with a couple of earlier startups where I was in the semiconductor world. Went into finance and investment banking, uh, spent my time doing M&A and investments. So let, let that in at Qualcomm and, and subsequently Ericsson. I saw the pain point around small business, particularly around working capital. You know, since I was young, my, my dad was a serial entrepreneur, owned small businesses and saw the pain point that he has uh, with regards to getting access to credit. And that hasn't gone away for decades. So wanted to solve that problem. So at first, we, what we've done was, um, you know, my co-founder and myself, you know, we focus more as, as building and leveraging the data and building AI technologies to be able to take that data to make better risk decision. And we won several large banks. So we were able to get into production with large banks and building machine learning based credit models. The reason we started with the banks was, you know, they have a ton of data, a ton of alternative data that wasn't being used for. Uh, for the decisioning. And so, you know, we were successful with places like Center Chartered and HSBC and, and more recently IMG. And that's how we kind of, we started the company called Flowcast. This is about, uh, we started about six and a half years ago. More recently, we took a lot of that know-how to really create TOEFL and really launched TOEFL with the goal of bringing financial inclusion to small businesses and bringing and helping them to get access to credit and build credit. I, I can speak more to what we've achieved so far with Tilful. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Ken. And, you know, I think focusing on that aspect of, of enabling small businesses to get access to capital, right. It, it touches on, on a common trend we see today, which is financial inclusion, a, a little bit different from how we commonly hear about it, where you're focusing on financial inclusion for small business, as opposed to overlook consumers, but it really is a similar problem. Flowcast integrated with banks, enabled those banks to provide capital to their own clients with the data that, that you kind of unearthed and, and made accessible to them. And then, you know, branching off to Tilful, I'm curious how you consider that approach because it's it's not uncommon, but it is a big jump to go from working with banks within banks to kind of building your own brand and and attacking the customer you know, kind of upfront and, and building your own relationship with each customer. Yeah, absolutely. So, so the key differentiation for us is really we created this what we call a data flywheel. So we leverage a lot of the the insight and the know how we've created with the banks because they, you know, their their book of business is certainly a lot larger. 
we use that to really understand what are the factors that are are driving the decisioning and then driving you know credit. And from there, we we leverage open banking data. So the core of what we do is is taking that open banking data from users, from our users, and be able to understand in real time what really matters from a from a decisioning standpoint, what really matters from affordability and from a credit worthiness standpoint, and making that available back to the small business owner. Now, now that we understand the small business credit worthiness, we can intelligently match them with the right credit offers. So what we've built in our marketplace is about 40 plus different lending partners and, you know, up and down the spectrum from very, you know, very high quality, you know, credit all the way down to sort of the subprime side of things. So, you know, our goal is not to just be able to help the top 5% of our user base, but rather 95% of our user base, you know, covering a wider, much wider credit spectrum. And, and really, you know, a lot of times small, small businesses, they, they sort of get discouraged when they go and try to apply for a loan from a, uh, with a bank and they, they, you know, they get a decline and, and they don't know what to do. So we created TOEFL with the hope of helping them to be able to get pre-approvals, you know, match them up with the right credit offer even before they apply so that, you know, they get access to that credit. And yeah, so a large part of it is around kind of education as well, you know, understanding the various products out there, what kind of, uh, you know, the terms and the needs that they have and how does that match with, you know, some of these lending products or funding products that that are out there. Yeah. And so I, I think for our listeners, you know, we're probably all familiar with the differences of, of personal credit versus small business credit, but just to, to really paint the clear picture here, can can you explain, you know, prior to TOEFL, prior to Flowcast, what the challenges were for small business, what their alternatives were? Can you just kind of explain what the market was doing at the time that, that prompted this opportunity, as opposed to what you're looking to create as the ideal state, right? Like, like I think, I think we kind of take it for granted now that you can go and sign up for, as a consumer, go sign up for a credit card relatively easily. Consumers can relatively easily get access to point of sale financing, but that's not the case with small business, right? Yeah. So it's, it's pretty interesting in the past, you know, since COVID in the past couple of years, we've seen a huge rise of, uh, you know, young entrepreneurs, whether it's for a side hustle or, you know, whether, whether they quit their, you know, full-time job to start their own company. So there were at least 4 million businesses that were created in, you know, just in 2020 alone and, you know, equal number in 2021. But a lot of times what they, a lot of these small businesses, they, what they're doing is when they start a company, they still use their personal credit card or, or personal bank account to transact their, on, on their business. So we see a ton of times when, you know, they, you know, a lot of the business expenses, whether it's paying for inventory or for the rent or utilities, it's off of their personal bank account and personal credit cards. And the problem with that is, A, you know, you're, you're sort of mixing your personal expense and business, which if something happens to your business, you know, you don't want that to hurt your personal credit score and personal credit. And B, it, it doesn't do anything for you when it comes to building business credit. And a lot of small business or, you know, people, they don't know that even existed, that there is a, such thing as a, as a business credit score. And a lot of times these, the banks and the non-fintech lenders use that to underwrite. 
Otherwise, they would use a personal guarantee, which you know again will hurt your personal credit. So what we try to create in the market is to separate. How do we find a way to separate their personal credit from the business credit? And which is why you know we created TOEFL, which allow us to kind of help them separate the two. And you know more recently we've launched something called a TOEFL business credit card, and the purpose of that is to help them build credit. You know, on day one, as opposed to wait years into you know into operating the company to establish any any credit with the credit reporting agencies. Yeah, so I'll take this opportunity to ask you to dive in a little bit deeper. Tilful offers a number of products in the market. Can you touch on you know Tilful's products? Kind of you know break them down for the small business, and then also I don't know if if there are different loan products um, that, that you can connect businesses with, but what types of loans are businesses really coming to Tilful to, to try to find access to? So I think the best way to think about what we're offering is following the business journey, right? So as you, as you start a business, you, know, you first establish a EIN number, you, you incorporate, you first set up a business banking account somewhere, what we're helping, where we're helping is number one is we've created this marketplace under TOEFL. And this marketplace allows us to help these small businesses get connected with various resources. And that's, you know, setting up a bank account to getting access to, you know, a payroll provider. So we have quite a few partners that can help with that. Next, you need a credit card. So that's the, you know, the, the credit building credit card that we are offering. So that allows them to every spend that they use it, you know, any payments, whether it's utility or, or inventory, it would help build build up their business credit. So so we partnered with Experian and be able to kind of report all that history and, and payment behavior to Experian and they can first, you know, quickly establish that. Now as you operate your business, then you know, you start to grow, you start to get revenue, get customer, you need to build inventory of your, you know, of your e-commerce or retailer, or you need to hire more people, then, then you, know, you may need access to credit products, whether it's a, a working capital loan to a term loan or line of credit or equipment loan. So we, we have a network of about 40 plus different lending partners where we would help facilitate that financing. Where we differ from the rest is that instead of just applying directly, we would help pre-approve. So with some of these lending partners, we, you know, we know what their credit criteria are. We can, and we have the data and the understanding of these small business. We can match them just like Tinder, you know, you can kind of see match, match up the two people. We would be able to match the right offer to the, uh, to, to the business owner. So our goal is to really to help them kind of create that journey from, from soup to nuts, you know, from the beginning to, to as they scale and the, and the business to grow. And really to help them achieve the full, full, you know, full potential. I like that comparison. Maybe instead of the credit karma for small business, TOEFL should be the Tinder for for small business financing. <laughs> so yeah, maybe that, that works well with the VCs. <laughs> and, and, and I want to come back to that um, matching and, and what's go what goes into that as well later on. But you know, I think you know what we talk about on this show is incentive alignment and building a marketplace. I know you're doing some of the origination yourselves, but you do have partners that, that do some of the origination as well. And, and even when you do originate, you, you have funding partners that, that you're relying on for that. So I'm curious, 
if you can explain a little bit more about how you are aligning incentives to, to build that marketplace for the SMB, for TOEFL, and for the financing providers. And I think one specific area I'd be curious to learn more about is going back to building it. Are, were, the, were the financing partners looking for basically the ability to deploy capital small business and they just didn't have the underwriting algorithm? Or, or was there a convincing process where you had to say, look, I know you want to stay away from this business, but these are actually creditworthy businesses. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. So maybe I'll start with the small business side, and then I can talk about the the funding side and what the, the lending partners are looking for. On the small business side, kind of going back to that Tinder analogy, you know, the small business they don't want to go and go on too many dates, right? They they want to be able to find the right source and the right partner right away. So instead of like applying to ten or twenty different funders, you know, before Tilful then you know here we can give them an offer that you know that matches up with their needs right away speed is an important thing you know they want they want to get that you know that funding source right away cuz they may have some very critical needs so the, the the you know the ability to match them with pre-approvals is is key and also we have visibility into their because we have visibility into their open banking data we know when exactly they would need that financing we know for a certain industry like in retail or in e-commerce, there are certain spikes in, in their seasonality. And you know, from, from their past history, we can kind of see when they need that cash for to build up the inventory for hiring and so forth. We have the algorithm to time it so that, you know, to make their experience a lot smoother. On the funder side, you know, there are two things that they're looking for. Obviously, one is origination, the ability to lend out more money. At you know to to those that are credit worthy, and two they're looking for lower default rate, right? So their their business model is interest income and then taking on less less losses. So we do both for them. You know, in order for us to help them originate, we give them the right customer, match them up with the right customer that will likely result into an approved loan and it result into a funded deal. So so that's that's really where the algorithm really is important to, to match them up with the right client. On the default side, they are consuming some of our data from open banking in order to inform them of you know, who, who is creditworthy, who is affordable, can afford this repayment of this loan. And what we don't do is fraud. Uh, you know, there are other, other you know, partners out there that can detect whether there's any kind of fraudulent type behavior. But our focus is primarily on credit risk. And so that's, those are the two things that we're, we're helping our funding partners to get the best, you know, the best client out there and be able to you know, close that deal fast and automate as much as we can. Yeah. And, and on that side too, one thing that interested me a little bit in, in learning more about TOEFL and, and the dynamics you're helping to create here is on that, that matching side, right? Where a small business might be eligible for a certain loan, but TOEFL is actually going to recommend one with maybe higher interest rate or, or you know, different terms because of mm-hmm. appro- approval rates, right? Like mm-hmm. the approval rate process is an interesting component here because there's nothing worse than getting access to, and thinking that, that you're going to be able to have this great loan product, but then ultimately being rejected at the end of the day, right? So how does that work? For, is it just, do you guys have, have the data algorithm to, to build that out? Or you know, what's, what's TOEFL's insights there? 
Yeah, so, so there, there are a couple of things that we have to be mindful of beyond just the, the matching algorithm. One, one is setting the right expectation. So for example, a small business you know, that's generating, let's say a million dollars in revenue run rate, maybe thinking, oh, I can, I can get a $10 million loan, but the reality is not, right? They, they can only likely get from these lenders 10%, maybe 20% of their revenue. So setting that right expectation is important. So even if we match them with the right offer, you know, they would need to understand this is, you know, this is market, this is what they're likely going to get. And we obviously try to best give them and match them with the best term, the best loan out there for their needs. And so the way we handle that is we do run a survey and run a questionnaire to understand what they're looking for. And, and that's how we gauge whether there's any discrepancy in terms of expectation versus reality. And then similarly on, on, the, on the lender side, we would be able to leverage that data and uh, be able to help, you know, give them the kind of the best, the best offer that will result into a funded deal. So there's a little bit of, you know, more work before kind of doing just beyond the, the matching side of things. Yeah. So, and, and again, because we have the, you know, open banking data, we can see in real time all the cash flow and, you know, we, on a, whether it's on a weekly basis or daily basis and, and you know, leveraging all the seasonality to be able to factor in the timing because the timing is key uh, when they, you know, get access to, to financing. And then industry type is also an important one. So, you know, a construction company is going to look very different than an e-commerce company. Mm-hmm. or restaurant. So we, we do leverage, you know, a, a segment, segment out these population of different businesses and they would determine their needs over and the types of product that you should be getting over different, different industries. Well, I, just as sure any founder would say, it, it does get a lot more complex as you really get into what that customer experience needs to be and, and all the different factors there to consider. So, you know, I think Turning to a couple of trends that, that you know we see in fintech and that I think you're particularly exposed to at Tilful, one is the rise of embedded financing or embedded mm-hmm. lending. I'm just curious. I'll, I'll leave it very open ended. I'm curious what your thoughts are there and what Tilful, you know, kind of what Tilful's doing with the rise of embedded. Yeah, yeah. So maybe I'll start with sort of what I see as sort of the macro trends and why embedded finance is such a kind of hot hot area these days. And you know, we think about particularly in you know e-commerce or B two B type or B two C type marketplaces. You know, with last year, you, you hear buy now pay later is you know one of the hottest uh, you know you know buzzword out there. And for the past 10 years, I would or five to 10 years, it's always been the key battleground has always been about the conversion at the checkout. And this, this goes with any, you know, any, any e-commerce site. And uh, now you see, you know, one click, you know, one click to pay or pay now, or, you know, pay later. There's so, so many variations of that. And everybody is trying to innovate around this, you know, this, this, you know, checkout button. So, you know, less friction means more purchases. So it appeals to, to the merchant, appeals to the marketplace a lot. But what we believe is the core to all this is really around the data, and it is that competitive you know advantage to have that data. You can just think about like Amazon lending is doing really well. 
Shopify is, you know, it's doing really well, you know, block, you know, square formerly is, you know, square capital is, you know, one of the, the, the fastest growing and highest generating profit center for them. And the key for them is that they have that data because not only like think about Amazon, people go now go on Amazon to search, right. Search for a product. You know, that's like the first place I go to when I search a product, I don't go to Google anymore. You know, even YouTube is less so now, but you go to Amazon, you, you search for a product. And so, you know, the intent of that user and that user clicks on it. So you have more, you know, more, more of that information about that user. They make the purchase, they get shipped, you know, where they, where it's going, maybe they return it. So you have the full end to end understanding of that user Unlike Google, you know, you go to Google, you do a search, you have the intent, but you don't know what happens afterwards, right? So the data that Amazon really has is phenomenal, right? They, they, they really have that understanding. So you, you can make lending decision based off of that, and you can become a very effective lender, you know, once you have that, that data. Yeah. So that's, that's sort of what's exciting about embedded lending and embedded finances, if you own that customer data from, from beginning all from an intent all the way to payment, that is so valuable. And so a lot, you know, a lot like beat buy now, pay later is trying, you know, the successful one is if they have access to that, then you can make a pretty good kind of business case and, you know, make pretty good lending decision around that. So, so, you know, so that's how, sort of what we see. It kind of raises the the prospects of of right. It, it kind of ties back to where Flowcast started integrating with banks because that's where the data lived. But now, if you look at where small businesses have where their data lives, it's not just the payments of their bank accounts, and it's not it's not even just the payments off their credit cards as well. But it could be anything from a invoicing system or an accounts payable system or potentially a marketplace if they're an Amazon storefront, right? So, so all of these different angles can bring in new potential channel partners or go-to-market partners for providing that access to capital. Yeah, exactly. I think the small business lending world is traditionally it's been still, you know, still relatively kind of backwards in the old school where you know, the, the bigger banks still love just using financial statements or audit financial statement that is so, you know, very stale, a year old and very staticky. They're not leveraging any sort of real time data. So making that leap to leveraging open banking is already a big win in the marketplace. And you see that with Apple, right? They bought a company called Credit Kudos in the UK. And you wonder like, why, why did they buy them? And Credit Kudos is sort of like an alternative credit bureau, you know, they, they use in the UK, they use open banking data to provide a credit score, provide credit report to consumers and to, I think they also do small business. So the, you know, a lot of speculation of that acquisition is that Apple is trying to, you know, launch their own buy now pay later service. And, yeah. you know, if every 10 people in the U S and seven of which, uh, you know, are iPhone users, iOS users, then owning that buy now pay later is 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 you know is a very very strategic way for them to capture the audience and capture the payment side of things. So so it's pretty interesting what they're trying to do. Interesting why they started don't, don't know why they started in the UK. Maybe it's regulatory and not in the US, but that's something to watch. But Apple is notorious to buy a company and then you know go quiet for a couple of years and then make an announcement in in a couple of years. So we'll, yeah. we'll see how that one goes. 
Well, it's, it's interesting too, because, you know, the, the, the difference in the markets of open banking regulations too, where things are much more open in Europe. And I know in the US, you can work around it through providers like MX and Plaid and get access to banking data. But I'm curious if you have thoughts there just on, you know, how different things are in a, in a market where by kind of legislative or, or regulatory mm-hmm. fiat, the banking data actually has to be open as opposed to selectively choosing if, if they want to enable a data aggregator to pull that and what it would mean for the world of small business financing. Do you have kind of a stance on, uh, on, on those types of, of regulations? Yeah, and I think here in the U.S., as you pointed out, you know, in, in Europe, it's more regulatory driven. Here, it's more market driven. The other dynamic here in the U.S. is there's a, t- a lot more banks and you know and, f- and fintechs out here than there are in in um, in the in, in the U.K. For example, you know, you got five thousand plus different banks, including credit unions and community banks and regional banks. So it is more of a wild west, I would say, in the U.S. And every now and then we do get inquiries from some of our users where they are using one of these community banks that are not connecting connected with a with one of these aggregators. So so it is uh, slightly more challenging from that standpoint to get you know these aggregators to onboard every single financial institutions in the U.S. And they, they do change from time to time. We are seeing quite a lot more of these, you know, aggregators. Like Stripe just announced a product recently, at least publicly. And you know, the, the, the I think for us, the, the biggest challenges that we see are one is the you know th- things do break with the with a kind of a, a non-regulatory driven model. You know, like they change either they change policy or things like that, and and then that ruins the user experience on our side. Because now we have the, you know, you know, the aggregator has to fix it, and then we have to go and fix it. So it does make that a bit of a pain. If it were more regulatory driven, everybody is doing it, then more standardized, and it's uh, it solves that problem. But I think, you know, I think there's going to be more and more, you know, aggregators and, and models out there, and you also see similar types of, you know, aggregators for e-commerce data or for accounting software data. Uh, though, you know, I think there's debates on what data really is important from a credit risk standpoint. But, you know, for us, our focus, we think, you know, open banking will solve at least 80% of the problem that we exist, that exists with, um, the, you know, with the incumbents. The incumbents, the problem with the, the credit bureau data for small businesses, it only covers, you know, the larger, the mid-market. Mid so anything sort of like five million, ten million in sales and above, so that leaves a huge chunk of you know the population underbanked or underserved, and that's really kind of where we add value. Yeah. So so as we look to wrap up here, Ken, you know I think that that is the reoccurring theme of the show is looking to include those small businesses that have been overlooked, and I'm curious if you can provide some forward-looking comments whether it is on the trend of financial inclusion or if you want to get specific to TILFL product roadmap, things that will ultimately help TILFL align behind your customers in that journey. Yeah. So, so I think right now for us, one of the key roadmap item is we have a partnership now with Experian and we don't see them 
you know, unlike, unlike in the UK where like Credit Kudos was more competitive with Experian and others, we see them as partners because after all, they are, you know, the 800 pound gorilla. They have a ton of consumer, you know, they're number one in, on the consumer side. On the business side is where there's, you know, kind of good overlapping, you know, complementary type, you know, partnership we can form. So we partnered with them to create a new, basically a new model that will allow us to together be able to, you know, fill this gap and us coming in as the open banking data provider and, you know, and analytics and them having the more traditional trade line type data on the bigger businesses. So that really allow us to be able to fulfill our dream of uh, helping the no-file, thin-file type clients and bring financial inclusion to the mix. So there's a, a journey we, we're doing together with them, which first, you know, kind of building this model together and next is to be able to boost their score every, with every, every you know, recurring expense or every utility bill, we can help boost their, their score. So we're creating a way for, for them to get at, ultimately get access to credit. Having a score just, you know, it is a means to, to an end. And, and then at that end is to get the working capital that they need to build up their business. So that's something we're very excited about. And we're kind of, we'll have some announcements coming up soon to, to roll this out. The second thing I would say before we end is our, you know, our, is that embedded lending theme. So we are working with a number of uh, non-bank type platforms from a payroll provider to, you know, to legal type platforms, which allow us to embed a, you know, our TOEFL score and, you know, marketplace in, into those platforms and, uh, and ultimately get access to the card and to funding sources. So, so that's something we're pretty excited about and really kind of play into the, the theme of uh, embedded finance. Yeah. Well, it's, it's all exciting stuff. And congratulations on the partnership with Experian. I have no doubt that that'll uh, help, help fuel you guys as you kind of bring a broader impact to the market too. Certainly an important challenge that you are looking to go out and solve, but it sounds like TOEFL has, has uh, you know, made, made a lot of progress there and excited to see things to come. Yeah. Appreciate it, Brady. Thanks for coming on the show, Ken. All right. It was fun. Thanks so much. You've been listening to the Payments Innovation Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe now on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Until next time.